Peter's Confession of Christ. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the, of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. Thank you. You may be seated, everyone. You know, in my lifetime, I've experienced a revolution in the way we get from point A to point B. Uh, I recently was talking to a 20-something, and I, they were talking about how to get somewhere, and I says, have you checked the map? And they looked at me cross-eyed. A map? We don't use maps anymore. Uh, isn't it amazing what can be done with this little instrument that's in your pocket now? I got someone talking to me and will tell me how to get there. Uh, GPS, global positioning, it's, it's amazing. And yet, have you ever counted or relied on your GPS system? Maybe it was a, you know, your Google Maps or your Waze or whatever it is, and they gave you wrong advice. Has that ever happened to you? I, uh, some of you were around when the intersection at Keystone and 465 was completed. And uh, envision with me, you're going south on Keystone, and if you want to go east on 465, it used to be that you got in the left lane and you went underneath the two lanes of traffic and you turned left. Anyone with me? You remember that? Remember when they changed it so that if you wanted to go east, you got off on the right side and the lanes went that way instead of to the left? Well, it was rather amusing to watch some of the people because they were following their GPS system. And here's all these people in the left lane, and all of a sudden they realize, I can't turn left here. And so they either quickly bolted in front of you or they went flying by. You know, you can't always rely on that, can you? But today we're, we're talking about our spiritual navigation system. And how do you know what you are following in your life is true? Is it reliable? Can you count on what you are depending on to get you through life? And not only to get you through life here, but then can you, can you count on your spiritual navigation system to get you to heaven? Well, this incident in our Lord's ministry in Matthew chapter 16 serves as a compass for us, as a way to assure us of how we know what our system of belief and, and our hope and our strength is all about. Jesus was with his disciples at a place called Caesarea Philippi. Uh, this was a really interesting place. L look, at, look at the picture of this. This is the, the, the beginning of the base of Mount Horeb, and there was this huge cliff there, and in the cliff there was a, a big tunnel. And as a result of this tunnel, 
there were religions from all over the world that felt like this was a spiritual place. The Canaanites, the indigenous people of, of, of Palestine, felt like this is where Baal resided, the fertility god. And Baal would come from the depths of the earth, out of the tunnel, and would come to be with people. And then would go back in the tunnel. The Romans believed that the god with a small g, Pan, P-A-N, also a fertility god, resided also here at Caesarea Philippi and would utilize this tunnel. Herod the Great saw this as an opportunity to build a shrine of his own, and he built a shrine, a temple there to Caesar and for Caesar worship. And so there was this whole smorgasbord of, of ways that people could worship God and experience spirituality there in Caesarea Philippi. And so Jesus uses this as an opportunity to, to teach. And that's when he turns his, to his disciples and asks them an important question. He, he says, who do people say that I am? You know, it's always easier, I found, for you to talk about other people. You know, what, Jesus said, well, what do those other people think about me, you know? And that's easier to talk about than yourself. And so he's, he's, he starts out really wide and broad. Who do other people say that I am? That, that was an important question. And he got some good answers. Uh, the disciples pipe up and they say, well, some say John the Baptist. That would have been a good answer. By now, though, John the Baptist had been beheaded. And some thought that Jesus was John the Baptist come back to life. Others say Elijah. You know, Elijah was the prophet who did the most miracles. He was a miracle worker. And Elijah was, was taken up into heaven in a, in a fiery chariot. And then there was the, the next answer was Jeremiah. Jeremiah was, was the moral compass of the Old Testament. He was the one who called people to justice and righteousness. That would have been a good answer, too. And then finally, to, if they, to cover their bases, one of the disciples said, oh, maybe one of the prophets you know, one of the heroes of the past. And any one of those answers would have been a good answer for Jesus, and anyone else would have been flattered, but Jesus doesn't seem to be impressed. That's when Jesus turns to his disciples and asks them a question. Instead of who do other people say that I am, he asks them a supreme question. And I believe he looked at every single one of them and pointed them. And he said, but who do you say that I am? you. You know, you've faced some important questions in your life, haven't you? The question that always used to bug me when I was growing up is this question. Well, Luther, what do you want to be when you grow up? Don't, didn't you get tired of that question once in a while? And as a pastor's kid with my dad standing behind me, I knew I had to give the right answer, all right? But there's been other really important questions in your life. This December, it will be 40 years ago, when an important question was asked me. Luther, do you take Christine to be your wife? That was a biggie, wasn't it? Important questions. Have you ever closed on a house? It's amazing to me that when you close on a house and you, you go to the closing and there's this stack of papers about this, one, this, this deep, and uh, the person who's um, administering the closure at one point says, now, I need you in order to finalize this, would you please sign these papers? And 48 signatures later, you've got a house, right? There are many supreme questions, but there's one question that is more important than any other question. Why? Because it determines your eternity. It determines 
your navigation system through life. It determines what the base, what your foundation is going to be in anything that you say and do and think. And before you answer, you know, think about how you answer that question. Well, when he asked the disciples, uh, there was one disciple who oftentimes spoke up for the rest of them. He's often called the mouth of the disciples. Which disciple was that? Peter, right? Peter. And so Peter pipes up, and he's been with Jesus for some time. He's seen what Jesus could do, the miracles. He's listened to his teaching. He's observed grace at work. And so Peter looks at Jesus and said, well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Good answer, Peter. Way to go. You did it, okay? You didn't mess up this time. And uh, let's just look at that answer. First, he says, you are the Christ. The Christ, word, word Christ, is the word for Messiah in Hebrew. It means the anointed one, the chosen one of God. And in calling Jesus the Messiah, the Christ, he's saying that, Jesus, you're the one that was promised way back, all the way back in Genesis, that God would send a Savior to repair the damage of sin, to bring us back into a good relationship with, with God the Father. Jesus, you are the one. You, you, you have come here as, the, as, as true man to take our place and to do that for us. But not only are you the Christ, not only are you true man, but you are the Son of the living God. You are God Himself. You have the power to be able to do it. Jesus, you are the one. And so Peter answers this question in a fabulous way. And it comes from the depths of his heart, from the depths of his soul. You know, when we answer that question, we tend sometimes to fall back on our past or things that we think will answer the question correctly. We say things like, well, of course, I go to church every week, right? Praise God. Thank you for being here. That's good. But that's not the, the answer, is it? Or some people in our, in our Lutheran church say, well, I've been to parochial school. Well, praise God. You know all the answers. But that doesn't ensure a right relationship with God, does it? Or others of you say, well, I went to confirmation classes as a kid, and I memorized the confirmation front and back, and I stood in front of the church and had my questioning, or I gave my Christian testimony, and, and that's good too. That's all real good. But finally, who do you say that I am? God asks for a response that comes from your heart as to who Jesus is as your Lord, as your personal Lord and your personal Savior. The one who then went on to the cross to die for your sins and then to rise again on the third day. You know, a lot of people today get the answer wrong as to who do you say that I am. What, what are some of the answers that people give today? Or where do they look for the answer? Where are they getting their spiritual navigation? Well, you can look on the internet. You can look on social media. And you'll find answers there. Or you can look at the latest public opinion polls as to how your life should be lived and what you should be doing and what you should believe. Or there are so many self-help books. And finally, you can rely on yourself. How do I feel? What makes me feel good? What makes me feel bad? And you can rely on your own personal feelings. But none of that will lead to the right answer. You can miss the point. 
I read a true story about a, a pastor who was giving a sermon about, about the day when Jesus returns. And he was getting all worked up. And, and, and he was talking about how the earth will shake and fire will rain down from the heavens and the trumpets will blast. And he was going on and on and on and very emotional. And that's when this little boy tapped his dad on the shoulder and said, Dad, do you think they'll cancel school that day? <laughs> Missed the point, right? And so we can miss the point too. Even those of us who, are, who call ourselves mature in the Christian faith, because our confession of faith is something that is believed and lived out not just once back in 1968 when I was confirmed. It's something that is lived out every day of our lives. Let's go back to the text. You know, Peter answers, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, and, and Jesus commends him. He says, blessed are you, Peter, for this re was revealed to you not by flesh and blood, but by my Father is in, who is in heaven. Peter, you didn't get this answer on your own. And you know, we don't answer, we don't receive, we don't have faith in our own either. God and His grace, it's all about Him, isn't it? It's as simple as God coming down through the waters of baptism this morning for little Jace. God comes down to us by His grace and by the power of His Spirit. He makes us His own, so that when we make our confession that you are the Christ Jesus, you are my Lord, my Savior, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's all about God and His love, His undeserved love for us. And then as a result of Peter's faith, he says, you didn't get it on your own, it was given to you. He says, you are Peter. Really? Peter, that wasn't his name. His name was Simon at this time. And yet Jesus calls him Peter. The name Peter, Petros in Greek, means rock. And he says, you are the rock, Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell, that tunnel that went into the side of the mountain, that was the gates of hell, some religions thought, will never ever prevail against you. It's that kind of rock-like faith that Jesus has built his church upon. And it's that common confession that we share, that Jesus, you are the Christ, my Lord and my Savior, that the Lord continues to build his church upon. And while Peter was the rock, every single one of us, by God's grace, has a rock-like faith. And I praise God for you, and I thank God for you and your faith. In a few minutes, we're going to be confessing our Christian faith in the words of the Nicene Creed, the first two letters of the creeds that we share, the three ecumenical creeds are all the same. And it goes out like this. My spouse believes. No. The pastors believe. The church believes. Wrong. How does it start out? Help me out. I believe. And that's the same confession that Peter made. And that's what joins us together through the centuries. That we have a rock-like faith that God gives to us. And the thing is, that's not where it stops either. In this story, Jesus has one more thing to say. He says, Peter, the keys of heaven are yours. And whatever you bind on earth, that means to tie up, will be bound in heaven. Whatever you free up in heaven, it will happen there too. You see, the doors of everlasting life, of forgiveness through Jesus and His precious 
sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection have opened up heaven's doors for you and me. And it's not because of us. It's all about God's grace. But now He gives us the privilege to open up doors for other people, to share the keys of the kingdom, that He uses you and me in that process so that other people can confess Him as their Lord and as their Savior. You know, when it comes to directions, uh, before I had the navigation system in my pocket, okay, uh, I used to have to ask for directions. That was hard for me. I don't know about you. But when you ask for directions, uh, you're at the mercy of the other person. One time I asked for, uh, I was talking to someone, I says, do you know where, and I mentioned it was a place of business in Castleton. Those of you who have been in the Castleton area, I don't know about you, but I, that's very confusing for me. It's hard to find things over there, okay? And this guy says, yeah, you go down Allisonville Road, you take the, 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 the second light, and then you take uh, the, 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 to the left, and then you take the third light to the right, and you bear to the left, and then you go to the right, and then you turn to the left again, and I think it's the second business on the left. And when he was done telling me this, I just kind of looked at him and go, really? Yeah. And then I asked him an important question. I said, have you been there before? Well, no, but I think I've driven past it. When it comes to the spiritual compass for you and me, our navigation system, wouldn't it be best to ask for direction for someone who's been there? Someone who's there? Someone who says, I am preparing a place for you right now because I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And we answer, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? Amen. God bless you.